Since the start of the war between Israel and Hamas, we've been hearing a lot about Iran-backed militias. One of those groups killed three U.S. service members in Jordan earlier this week. We will respond. We will respond strongly. We will respond at a time uh, and place of our choosing. Uh, and that response... Iran actually responded today, saying it's not looking for a war. Other Iran-backed militias include Hamas. One of the largest financial backers and supporters of Hamas is Iran. Hezbollah. Of course, we know that Hezbollah and Iran have deep, deep ties. Iran is Hezbollah's sponsor. And the Houthis. They receive substantial funding and weaponry from Iran. To Iran, these groups are not us-backed militias. There's something quite different. Coming up on Today Explained, the axis of resistance. Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. It's Today Explained. I'm Noel King. Ali Vaez is Iran Project Director for the International Crisis Group. Crisis Group is a conflict prevention organization, which basically operates based on uh, the logic of talking to all sides involved in a conflict, trying to then draw a big picture of what that conflict is about and trying to come up with solutions that we then advocate with the parties and at the international level to try to mitigate or resolve conflicts. We called Ali because this week another Iran-backed militia group made news. Three U.S. soldiers have been killed in a drone attack on an American base in Jordan near the Syrian border. They are the first American military fatalities in the region since Israel's war on Gaza began. Well, it appears that one of the uh, militia groups in Iraq that is supported by Iran conducted this attack uh, with drones. It appears that they did it in a relatively sophisticated manner. First of all, they targeted a U.S. base that is, technically speaking, on Jordanian soil. It's very close to Syrian border. But uh, it was the first time that an attack had happened on Jordanian soil. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that uh, the U.S. was taken by surprise. And also, the way they did it is that the drone was following an American drone that was returning to base, uh, and therefore the radar systems confused the hostile drone with the U.S. drone. Uh, And that's one of the reasons that they succeeded. It seems pretty sophisticated, which means that uh, probably Iranians were more closely involved in this attack that has been the case in other scenarios. There have already been 
165 attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria since October 7th. Thankfully, none of them resulted in fatalities, with the exception of this one. Has Iran claimed responsibility? Like, how do we know Iran is involved here, for sure? Well, in fact, Iran has denied responsibility. But there is a long track record of Iranian financial and military support for these groups in the region. Uh, mostly Shia militias, but some of them are also Sunni groups like Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad in Palestine. But uh, the group that is uh, primarily responsible for this attack, which is a an Iraqi Shia militia, uh, is actually particularly close with Iran and often coordinates these attacks uh, with Iran. So uh, the plausible deniability that Iran is after uh, really doesn't apply in this case because of the history of Iran's involvement with this particular group. I see. Okay. And this is a term, Ali, Iran-backed militias. This is a term we've been hearing a lot since October 7th. Iran calls this the axis of resistance. What does that mean? Can you define axis of resistance for us? The axis is comprised of state actors like Iran and Syria, uh, but also non-state actors like uh, Lebanese Hezbollah, groups in uh, Palestine like Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad, Shia militias in Syria, militias in Iraq, and also the Houthis in Yemen. Death to America, cry Hezbollah supporters in a packed hangar in Beirut's Dahiya suburb. Also, uh, we could include Shia militias from Afghanistan and Pakistan that Iran mobilized to fight in Syria uh, during the Syrian civil war. But uh, what glues all of them together is their animosity towards Israel uh, and the United States that they view as uh, seeking to dominate the region. Okay, so Hamas is in Iran's axis of resistance. How was Iran involved with October 7th? Do we know yet? Well, we have a pretty good guess right now that uh, Iran was actually surprised by Hamas's horrible attack on October 7th. It was not involved in the operation that took place that day, and it basically uh, appears that it actually undermined Iran's uh, strategic objectives at the time. Iran, in September of last year, actually finalized a prisoner exchange deal with the United States, through which it actually got some economic reprieve because the U.S. released some of Iran's frozen assets. Happening now, five Americans have flown out of Tehran as part of a U.S.-Iran prisoner exchange. Along with the release of five Iranian prisoners, Tehran is also getting $6 billion that South Korea owed Iran in oil payments that were frozen as part of economic sanctions. During the summer of 2023, Iran and the U.S. were engaged in de-escalatory negotiations. And that is when we saw actually the longest period of no attacks uh, against U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria for multiple months. So that was the trajectory that Iran was on, and it was hoping uh, to resume nuclear negotiations with the U.S. in October. But when it happened, they had to deal with the consequences Uh, And they're still dealing with those consequences today. Let's talk about October 8th and onward. Where have we seen Iran-backed militias? And again, this is a term I feel like we've heard in dozens of different ways in the last couple of months. Where have we seen them become party to Hamas and Israel's conflict? 
Look, October 7th uh, posed a dilemma to Iran because it had two options. One was to sit on its hands and allow Israel to go after a member of Axis of Resistance, Hamas, and see it diminished or destroyed uh, without doing anything. The risk there was that it would lose face and it would lose the credibility of this network as a deterrent strategy for Iran to deter strikes on its own soil. The other option was to get involved, get into the fray, or encourage uh, its most powerful non-state ally in this network, which is the Lebanese Hezbollah, to get involved. And the risk there was that it might have lost uh, Hezbollah's deterrent capabilities in a direct confrontation with the U.S., or Iran itself might get dragged into a very costly war. The way Iran squared that circle was to encourage its allies in this network to engage in calibrated and very careful escalation. Uh, So we've seen uh, step-by-step going up this ladder, escalatory ladder, uh, by both sides in the past few months. And Iran and its allies managed to engage in this escalation in a way that would put pressure on U.S. and Israel but without it allowing tensions to spiral out of control until this attack in Jordan, uh, which has resulted in the first American fatalities since October 7th. The Biden administration clearly sees all of these groups, these militias, as instruments of Tehran. And it seems like Iran views it the same way. Iran, as I understand it, came up with the term, the axis of resistance, our guys. Do these groups view themselves as Iran's guys? Uh, Look, there's there's not a single formula that could be applied across the board. Uh, Hmm. These groups fall uh, along a spectrum. Uh, On the one end, you have Hezbollah in Lebanon, whose relationship with Iran is akin to two NATO allies. Uh, There's absolute trust. There is full coordination between the two. And at the other end of the spectrum, we have the Houthis in Yemen, who are not really an Iranian proxy and have a long track record of even ignoring Iranian advice. And then there are different groups that fall in between, uh, different shades of gray. So there's not a single formula that we can apply across the board. And understanding these nuances is important because then it helps countering the activities of these groups in a much more delicate manner. This is where we should ask or consider what the Biden administration can do here. Joe Biden has said the U.S. will respond to the killings of three U.S. service members in Jordan. Joe Biden also does not seem to want a war in the Middle East. What can he do? Well, currently there are no really good options available to the United States. We are in a situation that was predictable, uh, that if the war in Gaza was to get dragged on for months, uh, both sides will continue to climb the escalatory ladder and would uh, eventually end up in a situation the options are going to look uh, pretty unattractive. So the U.S. would have to respond because there have been American fatalities. There's no doubt about it, and it has to be qualitatively different than uh, some of the other strikes that the U.S. has conducted in the past few weeks. There have been eight uh, U.S. retaliatory strikes in Iraq and in Syria. Uh, They've often targeted Iranian-backed groups and weapons uh, depots in Syria and Iraq. 
Uh, in one case in Baghdad, uh, the U.S. Uh, targeted and killed a senior commander of one of these groups affiliated with Iran. But overall, none of these attacks have deterred these groups or Iran from continuing these attacks. Uh, And right now, I think because Americans have been killed, uh, the U.S.'s credibility depends on trying to exact the cost directly on Iran. So my uh, expectation is that we will see or strike on Iranian Revolutionary Guards uh, personnel and assets uh, in Iraq, uh, Syria, Uh, and potentially elsewhere, even on open seas. I wouldn't rule out the possibility that the U.S. would uh, target an IRGC naval asset, for instance, somewhere in the Persian Gulf or in the Gulf of Oman. But, you know, then we will end up in a situation that Iran feels obliged uh, to respond. Otherwise, it would be seen in a position of weakness. Uh, And from their perspective, that would invite more U.S. and Israeli strikes on their assets and their interests uh, in the region. And unfortunately, this vicious cycle will continue because all that the U.S. or Iran are doing right now is that they're addressing the symptoms, uh, not the uh, proximate cause, which is the war in Gaza. And as long as that conflict continues, unfortunately, these tensions will continue. And at any moment, uh, they can spiral out of control because of mistakes or miscalculations. Ali Vaez of the International Crisis Group will be back in a minute to talk about the changing face of Iran-backed militias. Have y'all seen the hot Yemeni TikTok pirate, LOL? No, I haven't seen this man. How has this guy not come up on my For You page? Today Explained support today comes from Quince, which rhymes with since, but is spelt with a Q-U. The poet Josh O'Donoghue once said, we're getting very classy here, when one flower blooms, spring awakens everywhere. Now, I don't know exactly if that's true, it tells me to tell you, but I do know that Quince offers timeless essentials that they say never go out of style no matter what the season. And honestly, that also kind of sounds like a poem, doesn't it? Not only that, Quince says all of their items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Take it away, Claire White. The style feels great. It feels really timeless. It feels like a cut that I could wear over and over again and through a lot of different seasons. I love a plain sweater. You can upgrade your wardrobe this spring by going to quince.com slash explain for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash explained to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash explained. It rhymes with since. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. 
Support for Today Explain comes from Quince. It's spring, which means it's time to shed that enormous puffer jacket and don some more sunshine-appropriate attire. In that case, you may want to check out Quince. Quince offers springtime pieces like 100% organic cotton gauze tiered maxi dresses and 100% European linen blazers. I really want to currently Google organic cotton gauze tiered maxi dresses. In the meantime, here's here's Claire White from, from our business team here at Vox. Everything I've received is incredibly comfortable and the quality was really surprising. After now receiving this first batch, I feel like I can trust that the quality is going to be good across the board. I googled the dresses. There's there's all kinds. I've seen those dresses. You can indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash explain for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash explain to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash explain. It's Today Explained with Ali Vaez. He's the Iran Project Director of the International Crisis Group. If you have even hazy memories of the early aughts, you might remember American President George W. Bush coining a term to refer to countries that were in conflict with the U.S. States like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil, arming to threaten the peace of the world. Iran's axis of resistance appears to be a direct reference to Bush, although the alliances within that axis are much, much older. Oh, it precedes the axis of evil by about two decades. It all goes back to the 1980s when Iran was engaged in a devastating war of aggression that uh, Saddam Hussein uh, in Iraq had uh, launched against Iran. At the beginning of last week, Iraqi MiGs bombed 10 Iranian airfields. The next day, the Iranians hit back. And At the time, uh, Iran was really struggling because it was under an American arms embargo and uh, an entire region uh, and the great powers were supporting Uh, Iraq's uh, war of aggression uh, in Iran. The war with Iran has given Iraq a rare opportunity to brush up a pretty tarnished image. And so uh, for a young uh, revolutionary system that had just emerged, it was a pretty traumatizing uh, experience. And the way the Iranians figured that they could put pressure on uh, the West and on the US and Israel uh, was to try to gain what is known as strategic depth, means that you fight your enemies not on your borders uh, or inside your borders where you can't defend, but you try to deter them from striking you on your soil. Its uh, raison d'etre or its concept stems from the fact that it does not have the conventional military strength to protect itself. Uh, because it has been isolated and under an arms embargo for many years. Iran, I would argue, is an opportunistic power. Uh, And what it has been able to do is to exploit chaos uh, in the region. Israeli tanks roll into southern Lebanon. 
Israel's invasion was the biggest development in the area since the 73 war. In 1982, Israel's invasion of Lebanon gave them an opportunity uh, to create Hezbollah in Lebanon. With support from Iran and Syria, Hezbollah has grown into a popular movement with a well-armed military wing that's been... Then, U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003... Shock and awe provided Iran with a golden opportunity to create all of these Shia militias uh, in Iraq. Hundreds of thousands of Iraqis were killed. No one knows how many exactly as armed groups fought each other, fought the Americans, and killed each other's civilians. When Saddam fell and he was replaced by uh, a Shia government, this basically created a natural alliance between Iran and Iraq and provided Iran for the first time since the 1979 uh, revolution with the possibility of projecting power uh, through a land corridor that extended from Tehran to Baghdad to Damascus to Beirut. Um, and so it actually strengthened uh, Iran's hands. The civil war in Syria in uh, 2011 uh, created another opportunity to create even more groups uh, in Syria. At this joint command center in Aleppo, home to Syrian army soldiers and other pro-Assad militias, Iranians control the communications, giving orders of where to fight and when. Saudi war in Yemen created an opportunity for Iran to invest in, in the Houthis. Shiite Houthi rebels have bombarded the president of Yemen's home and are trying to overthrow the government, says the information minister. And turn them uh, into the disruptive force that they are today. Houthi rebels from Yemen were seen storming a cargo ship in the Red Sea. If we understand how Iran operates, then uh, it, it basically gives us much better tools to try to counter it. It's not related to their financial uh, capabilities, uh, so sanctions won't necessarily work. It's not about uh, flexing our military muscles, but it's about depriving them of the oxygen that they need to support this network, which comes through conflict and chaos. So the more the West is able to bring conflict in the region to an end, uh, the less opportunities Iran would have to be able to support these groups. All right. So Hamas and the Houthis both existed before October 7th. But since October 7th, what they've done, what both groups have done is they've used messaging to to get themselves noticed far beyond the region. Um, they're not just on the intelligence community's radar anymore. They are literally on my Instagram feed. Is this new? Is this a strategy by these groups to sort of present a different face? There is certainly a uh, soft power dimension here uh, that uh, the groups, these groups are uh, fully aware of. Yemenis have been flocking to the port of Al-Salif on the Red Sea to visit the cargo ship, which was hijacked last month by Houthi rebels. It's become an attraction for Yemenis from all over. Many come to tour it every day. Instead of going to parks and beaches, they're now visiting the Galaxy Leader. They know that at the end of the day, there is also a battle for uh, hearts and minds. Um, and the reality is that what uh, has happened in the past few months despite all the tragedies, uh, in a way has provided them with an opportunity to uh, recruit more forces. We started to see the public opinion shifting 
as the whole world witnessed women, defenseless women and children torn apart. Uh, the humanitarian uh, disaster that has occurred in Gaza uh, is radicalizing segments of uh, societies uh, in, in all of these countries, which of course makes recruitment much easier uh, for these groups. And in order to be able to capitalize on that opportunity, they have to portray themselves in a positive and polished manner. Houthi militias have been targeting ships in the Red Sea on the basis that they have an obligation under the Geneva Convention to stop genocide being carried out in Gaza. And I think that's what you're seeing on social media uh, as part of that effort to uh, use this opportunity to grow. As I said, you know, all of these groups in Iran are opportunistic. Uh, and the more there is uh, violence and chaos in the region, the more it will be beneficial to them. I've seen people on Instagram mooning over the hot Yemeni pirate. Rashid al-Haddad, also known as Tim Houthi Chalamet and Jihadi Depp, posted this video on social media and received an unexpected wave of comments. We're talking about young people who are looking at this young man and saying, oh, to me, he looks like one of the good guys. Now, it's not clear if he is a pirate, but he has been documenting his time at sea, including videos of him on cargo ships, possibly even one of the cargo ships that was hijacked by Houthi rebels in November. Is the crush on the pirate, even though we might be tempted to not take that seriously, is that a problem for the United States? It is certainly a problem. Uh, whenever actors that are trying to uh, disrupt the international system and are anti-status quo uh, and are forces of instability gain popularity in the popular culture, uh, it's a problem because younger people are going to start uh, imitating them. And again, this is one of the reasons that these groups overall see what's happening in Gaza as a golden opportunity because it makes recruitment for them much easier. And then we would have more cases of lone wolves conducting acts of terrorism in Western cities, uh, which of course would uh, create a major problem uh, for Western governments uh, and would not make Israel or US allies in the region safer in any way. That was Ali Vaez of the International Crisis Group. Today's episode was produced by Halima Shah and Amanda Llewellyn. Matthew Collette edited, Laura Bullard and Kim Eggleston fact-checked, and David Herman is our engineer. I'm Noel King. It's Today Explained. 